Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. And then there were four, January 17th, 2019. Thanks for tuning in to the Mike Abadir Show. I am Gino Bacola. We are down to four, Mike, four teams left. It is conference championship preview time on the Mike Abadir Show. And for me, Mike, no surprise in the four teams that we have. I honestly think these are the best four teams. It's It was only a surprise last week in how some of these teams got here. Not that they won, just in the way they went about some of their victories. We'll get into that in just a second. And Mike, we have a great, great show lined up today with uh, some excellent guests. You want to let the folks know who's going to be joining us today? Yeah, so I mean, dude, three games left. That's all the football that we've got, but they should be three of the best games of the year because I think on paper, we have some excellent matchups the top four offenses in the NFL, but we'll get to that statistical side of the analysis shortly here. Yeah, we do have a really good show. We've got Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, which is part of the SB Nation Network. We also He covers the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got Luke Johnson, who covers the Saints for nolanews.com. We might have Serena from the Rams, previous guest of ours. She's going to be calling from the Rams locker room if time permits. And then as always... Monique, the parlay queen from covers.com. So really good show. We're, we're going to really dissect these matchups and um, get some predictions, talk about some of these uh, rematches that we're uh, going to come across and may come across in the Super Bowl. But man, whichever way you slice it or dice it, out of the four remaining teams, I don't think that there's a bad Super no. Bowl matchup that could emerge from these games. There's not a bad combo. You're no. either going to get, you know, the Saints uh, against the Pats, which would be awesome. You could get the yeah, Saints. Yeah, you got Breeze and Brady right there, right? So that's always going to be a storyline. The Saints the Chief, against the Chiefs, the two MVP candidates this year. Yep. You know, uh, then you could get the Rams against the Pats, which would probably be a game where they talked about maybe like a, a passing of the torch from from Belichick to McVay as maybe McVay being this new young coach who, who might have a, a dynasty type team. And, 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 then and that's have, a Super Bowl rematch, by the way, from the greatest uh, show the, on turf. Right? When, when it really all started for the yep. Pats. Right. Um, or, you know, the other matchup, which would be uh, a, a rematch of that awesome game that we saw against the Rams and the Chiefs. So... I mean, you can't really go wrong. No, that was a Week 11 matchup. Uh, High-scoring game in Monday Night Football history, 54-51. Only a field goal separated them. It was whoever had the ball last is going to win type game. Um, You know, big difference here is that Kareem Hunt, obviously, is not with the Kansas City Chiefs. But, yeah, that would be a fantastic matchup. Once again, we got the top four offenses. And it's kind of funny because – defenses kind of made some noise in December. Maybe that was weather. Maybe that was figuring things out. Well, and how about but, this? To piggyback your point before we bring in our first guest, last year, the final four teams all had a top five defense. Isn't it crazy how in one year it flips? So the final four teams all were top five defenses last year. This but we year, talked about that all year. Uh, yeah, yeah. All it's season just so far, we talked about how the, the, the 
the passing attacks, the schemes are far and away ahead of the defenses. The offensive coordinators are way ahead of the defenses. And so I'm talking about maybe by years. And who's the one? What's funny is there's only one comment from last year's Final Four to this year's Final Four, and it's the team that's there every year. It's the Pats. It's the one who's, who seems to kind of make adjustments, and they're going to be playing against the team that our first guest covers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's bring him in. We're talking about Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride, SB Nation. Pete, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey, hey, guys from Kansas City. What's up? Doing well. Speaking of uh, being in Kansas City Live, we heard earlier in the week about this crazy Arctic storm, Arctic vortex, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it appears that that's maybe a, a little bit of an exaggeration and that we're looking to be maybe in the 20s, which out here in California, that's still freezing to us. <laughs> but, you know, what's the truth of the matter weather-wise before we get into the dynamics on the field? Yeah, pour one out for the Arctic blast. You know, rest in peace Monday to Wednesday. There's going to be no more Arctic blast, supposedly supposed to be in the teens, 20s, uh, which, uh, of course, isn't comfortable, but it's way more manageable than the expected temperatures. A lot of people were, you know, the Colin Cowards of the world were saying that Chiefs fans were going to have to cover their faces and it would be a little bit uh, less loud than it usually is. It doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure that there would be a disadvantage in terms of temperature for either team because I think Kansas City proved last week that they can win in the cold weather. The Patriots have done it year in, year out. So that's probably going to be a non-issue. I do find it interesting, though, how much was made about the Chiefs having, uh, you know, not really taken advantage of their home field advantage over the last few years. I never really subscribed to that because each team is very different and unique. Uh, you know, but it really shows that Pat Mahomes is the real deal when he's come in and stopped a streak like that. Speak to how he's handled uh, playoff game number one. Yeah, I think people were really pleased with how he did handle it. I mean, there were two drives right at the beginning of the game. Andy Reid had his script of 15 plays. He executed them perfectly, and Chiefs ended up with two touchdowns, building a 14 nothing, and then a 17 nothing lead. And the defense has been a weakness all year, but what that allows is, you know, another team like the Colts gets a little bit one-dimensional, and, and the defense is able to take over. And finally, things are starting to click for Kansas City on the defensive side of the football, and really the, for the whole team. I think a lot of times, especially in recent years, the team was a little bit injured at this stage of the game, whereas now they're starting to get healthy at the right time. It's just as everything is seeming to click at the right time for Kansas City. It's just never been the case before. You mentioned the home field advantage. That has something to do with it, too. Just a lot of bad luck this time of year, typically here. Well, you talked about the injuries. Uh, let's get specific on one of the big ones. Um, uh, a leader for this club who only played a couple weeks this year, Eric Berry, uh, has been practicing the last couple of days. So what does it look like right now? He's trending to play, and like, what is the, the feel on him? He is. I mean, he's tra- he look, looks like he's trending to play. He's been a full participant in practice the first two days this week on Wednesday and Thursday. He hasn't played since week 16, so he did suffer some kind of setback as the team was preparing uh, for week 17. But, uh, again, just would be at least an emotional boost. He was a little bit more effective in the first game he returned than the second. That was on Thursday night against the Chargers and the the second game was against the Seahawks. He just wasn't as effective, but really did make a difference that first game back. And I think the Chiefs are really counting on him uh, to be an impact player, especially when it comes to guarding a guy like Rob Gronkowski. And no one really knows the health status of Gronk. 
he wasn't really used as a weapon in the passing game last week. But again, you'd have to account for him. And I don't know if there's anyone on the Chiefs uh, not named Eric Berry that can really deal with what he brings to the table if he's able to have that full range of motion, the, the, the full effect of, of what Gronk can do. And on the other side of the ball, you know, the Patriots, typically speaking, are, uh, you know, a man coverage press type team. How do you think that that's going to, you know, manifest itself in terms of success for the Patriots when, you know, the Chiefs are really good at exploiting that? I mean, Reed's, you know, runs a lot of the old West Coast concept, you know, why shallow where the receiver sits on the ball, you know, 10 yards while another receiver runs shallow underneath. They have so many different weapons. How do you see it playing out in terms of, you know, a, a man press being the uh, bread and butter for the Patriots and a team that could defeat that easily because of all their weapons? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to man press Tyreek Hill, you're not going to win most of the game. So I think you got to come up with another plan, whether that be safety help, so on and so forth. But the only problem with that is you have a guy like Travis Kelsey and a guy like Sammy Watkins. I think it was a huge advantage for other teams when Sammy Watkins was still out. But now that he's healthy and back in the mix, it kind of brings the Chiefs back to where they were earlier in the season when they had all these weapons clicking on all cylinders. When I think the only real difference in this game is Kareem Hunt is not on the team anymore. That's obvious. He had 185 yards of production week six. But they do have confidence in Damian Williams, and Damian Williams had a really good stretch. The team was so confident in him, they gave him an extension before the end of this end of the regular season. And so you like the chances of, of him being at least able to replicate some of what Kareem Hunt can do, and, and, that, and those yards that he can't, you, you like what uh, you have in Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey, who really cannot be guarded by anyone in the National Football League. And again, you mentioned the man coverage. Good luck with Tyreek. You're going to have to have at least two guys on him at all times if that's the route you're going to go. You know, I completely agree with that. I think Kelsey is a super weapon. I think at this point he is more dangerous than a Gronkowski or any other tight end of the league. And I'd actually take it a step further and say that the comfort level that Mahomes has with Kelsey, like I mentioned earlier, you know, kind of running that shadow underneath route, but then Kelsey releases. And we've seen big plays come out of that time and time again. A lot of first downs come out of that. I think that sets up the run. I think that sets up also big plays like, you know, Hill's squirrel routes on play action, you know, uh, the double moves that he's able to make. And I think that Kelsey is the key to this, key to a successful running game and opening up the passing game. How how do you project that the Patriots are going to try to, I mean, even if they double team, not going to win. No, it's impossible. Matchup. And there's there's really nobody else like him in the National Football League. I, I look at... 49ers, George Kittle, maybe Zach Ertz in, in that same conversation. I don't even know if Gronk is necessarily there anymore just because his body seems to be failing him here at, at what looks to be the end of, career, end of his career. He, you know, he's uh, considering retirement at the end of this season. So to me, it, it, that's where I think the Chiefs win is, is Kelsey is just so hard to defend, but then there's everybody else that you do have to worry about uh, on the Chiefs. Uh, you could say a little bit of the same with the Patriots when it comes to their weapons, but they just don't have the speed that the Chiefs offer. Uh, I think across the board, whether you look at a Hill, a Kelsey, or a Watkins, and, and that's, that's the, the problem I think you run into, especially with the Chiefs being at home. They're used to the stadium, so on and so forth. I mean, this is going to be a track meet, and it's whether or not the Patriots defenders can keep up with them as the game goes on. I've noticed some of uh, 
um, your tweets and and kind of some things that I've been paying attention to is the uh, the rallying cry for the Patriots this week, which we kind of heard Tom Brady mention after the game. We suck, and uh, nobody thinks that we can beat anyone. It, it, it you have to always be impressed with the fact that they get here each and every year. And I guess when when that happens, sometimes you have to manifest things that aren't there because you know even this is a team that defeated the Chiefs earlier in the year. This is a team that's there each and every year. And I don't know how many people said they suck or that they're no good or that they couldn't beat anyone. They were favored against the Chargers. Even this week, if you're just looking at the point the point spread purely, it's a three-point spread, which Vegas generally gives three points to the home team. So they're not getting disrespected really by anyone. And it's funny to hear um, the Patriots kind of using that as a, as a rally cry. We've heard some kind of funny interactions. And have you heard some uh, some things from some of the Chiefs players in response to that? Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. You're the number two seed. You have a, a first round bye. You win 48, 41 to 28, and then you can off the field and say everyone thinks you suck. Who thinks you suck? A lot of the Chiefs players were asked this week, and they were basically laughing at the reporters saying, no, what are they talking about? Andy Reid asked them, say, haven't they been to the AFC Championship game eight years in a row? Like, that's LeBron James territory right there. Like, for them to play the underdog role. It's just, it's funny. And Julian Edelman's going as far as selling bet against us t-shirts. I can't hate, hate on him for, for getting in the, in, the, in the advertising game right there, making a quick buck. <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, this was a hotly contested matchup in week six. You know, 43-40, to 40, a field goal game. Uh, what things do you think that the... Patriots are going to try to do differently than in that game to keep the Chiefs off balance uh, on both sides of the ball. Is there anything that you're kind of seeing in this matchup that they maybe weren't running at that time that you expect or that the Chiefs should probably prepare for? Well, that's the beauty of the Patriots, and and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have talked about that quite a bit this week, is they give you a different look every time. And so you can watch the tape over and over again. There is no way in hell that Bill Belichick walks in that stadium and does the same thing scheme-wise that he did to Patrick Mahomes week six. And week six was the first time I really saw a big weakness from Mahomes. If you remember that Dante Hightower interception, he was kind of baited into that interception. So I think... The beauty of it is it happened so far early in the season that now he's kind of faced all these teams and kind of is ready for really the unexpected. I think that there's adjustments that he'll be able to make during the game to at least score some points in the first half. You remember this game was 24-9 New England through two quarters, and I I know the Chiefs are going to be looking at home to start off a lot quicker. But I think you know that's the thing about Bill. You're never going to get what you got week six, for example, Stephon Gilmore, excellent quarterback for um, the New England Patriots. He was following around Sammy Watkins. Who knows, maybe this time he's following around Tyreek Hill. You know, it just, they always change it up. And, and even Mitch Schwartz, the right tackle for the Chiefs, is saying, when they crowd the line, you don't know who's doing what. And so the key for them is knowing the numbers, knowing what position they are at least, and that kind of gives you at least a little bit of a tip of what these guys could potentially be doing. The, the, the great thing is the Chiefs seem like they're ready for it. You know the Patriots are going to bring it. It should be a good football game on Sunday. Pete, I know it's a busy time of year for you. We appreciate you coming on and spending a few minutes with us. Before we let you go, do you agree with, with my prediction here, which is that if either D Ford or Chris Jones let loose – and cause uh, you know a big time turnover at a crucial time, or are able to get to Brady, you know maybe more than four times. 
uh, in terms of sacks, pressuring him maybe another four to five times, that the Chiefs probably win this game? Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, of course. And I, I think Bill Belichick knows that too. So I, I just worry about them saying to Tom, listen, get the ball out of your hands within two seconds, get the ball, no matter what. And then you have James White. And I don't know if necessarily Chiefs have the personnel tackling-wise to keep up with them. So I'm hoping that if you're a Chiefs fan, Bob Sutton is scheming for that type of guy. I mean, you look at the numbers in this game. James White in the last game against the Chargers, James White had 17 targets and 15 catches as a running back. That's a scary number, I think, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're built on the pass rush, because those are dink and dunk type of passes. And, and again, you know this coming in. So that's where the chess match comes in. That's where Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, two of the greatest coaches of all time, come in. And that's why this game will be fascinating to watch. That's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, SB Nation. Pete, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, if you want my personal stuff, which is a lot of Chiefs stuff and NFL stuff, it's at PG Sween on Twitter.com, and then you can catch all the Chiefs-related stuff. Hopefully, uh, if it goes three weeks, it'll be three weeks at ArrowheadPride.com. Excellent. Appreciate you have, having uh, the time to share with us. Great insight, Pete Sweeney. Right. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care, guys. Let's, uh, let's get to our next guest really quickly, introduce him before the first commercial, and then we will spend a little bit more time with him, talking about Luke Johnson from nolanews.com. Luke, how are you this hey, afternoon? Luke. Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, we're up against the commercial, so we're going to have to cut out in a minute and, uh, and uh, get really hot and heavy with you when we come back, but... What's the vibe like in NOLA right now? There's a great deal of excitement, I'm sure. Yeah, a ton of excitement. And, and honestly, the guys are pretty relaxed. It's very similar to last week. Um, yeah, I've, I've never seen Sean Payton uh, sit down and, and talk to the cameras as much as he has this week. Yeah, granted, this is my first year on the beat. But uh, yeah, they are, they are absolutely just uh, kind of laid back this week. And I think that's a, it's a good thing. Uh, I've got a lot of veterans on this team uh, who uh, you know, have been in this situation before. And um, yeah, I think they are, they're using that to their advantage. Although he's on a big time high. He uh, said that this feeling being in this game is like a drug. He's actually pretty calm, cool and collected. Let's talk more about that in a moment. If you could stick with us, we're going to take a really quick commercial timeout and we'll be back with Luke Johnson talking Saints football. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Here with Luke Johnson from Nolan News. And Luke, we're talking Saints, and this week... We had a big, big injury that we uh, we found out about, and an injury that might be a, an issue on the defensive side of the ball. So, what's the uh, the Sheldon Rankins um, issue, and who's going to be filling in with him for him as he has been placed on IR? I think that's going to be a big blow for the Saints. Yeah, huge, huge injury. Uh, uh, Sheldon Rankins tore his Achilles tendon uh, in the first quarter against Philly, um, and it's just. That's such a huge blow for them uh, because he is he had a, a breakout year for them. Um, uh, yeah, eight sacks, twelve tackles for loss. Uh, you know, the guy was a, a disruptor in the pass game and in the run game. And, and yeah, I think the biggest thing this week is not necessarily the pass rush. I, I think it's it's yeah the fact that they're going up against a, a really great offensive line, and you know all of a sudden two running backs who can really hurt you. Uh, uh, I was looking it up today. Uh, the, the Rams have 697 rushing yards their last three games with uh, with CJ Anderson in there. They finally got Todd Gurley back. Um, I mean, that's this is absolutely the wrong time not to have him. Um, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really tough to overcome, especially because you know they're going to have to fill in Sheldon Rankin's spot with with a, an undrafted rookie free agent with. Uh, uh, Taylor Stallworth, who's been playing pretty good ball for him this year, but um, he, he slides into to Rankin's uh, his spot in three-man rotation. They got him and uh, Tyler Davison and David Onyemata, and three three pretty good ball players. But I don't think any of them are, are quite on on Sheldon's uh, you know kind of game-changing caliber. Uh, so I'm I'm really curious to see how how that that run defense holds up without that huge dog in the middle there. Uh, yeah, they, they obviously have a lot of a lot of different pieces that have been working toward that. Um, yeah, I think Cam Jordan sets the edge about as as good as any defensive lineman in football. 
Um, you know, Demario Davis has been a monster addition to the team. Their linebackers in general have been playing really well. Uh, but that big guy in the middle um, you know, really plays a big part in that. And, and not only clogging things up, but, but he, he plays really good laterally too. Uh, and, and he'll take away uh, you know, some, some stuff to the outside. So um, we'll see. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not really super confident uh, in, in saying they're going to be just fine without him because he's, like I said, just a huge part of what they do. Do you agree with my sentiment that even a man down, they still have the uh, best defense of the four remaining teams? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do. yeah, um, yeah. I think I think in terms of yeah, they they do have some weak spots in the secondary. I think that's that's you know not really up for debate. Uh, yeah, there's there's some games where where Eli Apple plays like a Pro Bowler, and there's some games where where you know he, he just clearly doesn't. And I think that's that's kind of you know where we've seen some of these big passing numbers uh, in the last couple of weeks, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's frequently been when, when teams have kind of victimized him. Uh, but there's, there's some games where he just completely shuts down good receivers and he'll need to be at the top of his game this week uh, with uh, cooks and, and woods over there in, in Los Angeles. But I think if you're looking top to bottom, um, a, the, the last four teams remaining, um, I think the saints are, are, you know, can, can affect the game in, in both phases. Uh, and, you know, they can get after the passer, uh, you know, maybe not as good as the Chiefs, but, but right up there in the, the top five in the league. Uh, they have, you know, the NFL's number two rush defense, and they're really number one all season before, uh, you know, resting their starters in week 17. Um, and, yeah, I think just in terms of, of completeness, that's uh, it's what you want. And then you, you back that up with the offense, and you see why they're 13-3. Another yeah. matchup that I'm kind of interested in is that Saints O-line versus Aaron Donald. In particular, the Saints O-line, they only allowed 123 pressures all year. Aaron Donald recorded 106 pressures alone. So it, it's one of those matchups yeah. where something's got to give there. We see a couple of those. Those, and then also really interested in the matchup with Michael Thomas versus now Talib, who's back for the Rams. Are they going to have Peters on him alone? There's just so many stars in this game. We're going to see so many great matchups on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's funny you're talking about that. Right before I, I called into the show, I was uh, I was working on my three key matchups for the game. They were Michael Thomas versus Akeem Talib, uh, Andres Pete versus Aaron Donald, and <laughs> and you know, the Saints run defense versus the, that kind of two headed running back combo. I, I think those are those are really if I'm looking at, at three three things that are going to dictate the way this game plays out. Those are those are my three. Um, you know, the Thomas and Talib thing. Thomas just victimized Marcus Peters in that first game. I had 12 catches for 211 yards. Uh, you know, the big one was that 72-yard catch. It kind of clinched a game for, for the Saints in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I, I'm not in the Rams meeting rooms, but I am assuming there's no way they're going to be putting uh, Marcus Peters on, on Mike Thomas. Uh, you know, Akeem Tlaib matches up well against him, you'd think. Uh, he's a big physical guy, um, and Mike is a big physical guy. It, it ought to be really fun to see those two go head-to-head. Um, and you know, since Talib has been in the lineup, uh, they're only giving up about 210 passing yards per game. Uh, so he, he definitely makes her secondary better. Uh, and you know, with Aaron Donald, um, somehow, some way, the Saints were able to, to limit him from making those, those big splash plays uh, in, in that first game. I think he had like two tackles. Uh, you know, he, he hit Drew Brees four times, but he never brought him down for a sack. Um, they're going to have a tough time repeating that. Um, 
Andres Pete, uh, yeah, their, their left guard has, has been dealing with a, a hand that he broke in week 17. Um, he wasn't very effective last week. Uh, had a lot of problems with, uh, with Fletcher Cox and, and, uh, you know, when he, when he wasn't having problems with him, he was, he was committing penalties. He made four penalties last week. Uh, so he's been out there practicing and everything, uh, but, you know, if if he lines up against against Aaron Donald, yeah, I feel like Aaron Donald's chances there, uh, and the Saints are going to have to probably give him some help, uh, whether it's you know keeping a running back in or double him in Donald, uh, and you know even that doesn't really seem to do a whole lot of whole lot of good. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stats that um, you know I've uncovered in in kind of scouting this game out, if you will, uh, you know a few days in advance here. Two, you know, the Saints score on 51.8% of their drives, call it 52%. The Rams score uh, on about 49% of their drives. Uh, Those are numbers two and three, respectively, in the NFL. But one thing that really stood out to me was that the Saints are 13 for 16 on fourth downs, remarkable 81%, whereas the Rams only converted six times on fourth down out of 15 tries, 40%. What's made the Saints so good on fourth down? And have you had a chance to take a look at maybe why the Rams have not had as much success on fourth downs? I haven't looked at the Rams side of it, but for the Saints, I can tell you that a lot of it has to do with confidence. Um, Sean Payton uh, absolutely trusts his guys in those situations. Uh, you know, a handful of those fourth down conversions have come on fake punts, um, and you know, which, which they are just... Uh, yeah, they they ran one at their own thirty yard line last week. Uh, you know, they 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 are not afraid to uh, to take risks, and and then on top of that, they have the personnel to uh, to make it happen. Uh, yeah, I think you know a, a handful of those fourth down conversions have have featured Drew Brees jumping over the line. He's really good at that. Um, yeah, they they have Alvin Kamara. They can use in a billion different ways. Mark Ingram is a super physical running back, and and I think they have a across the board, one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, so you add all those things up, the, the confidence the coach has and, and, and the aggressiveness the coach has. Um, yeah, I think that's why you see them, A, go for it so many times, and B, it's you know, why they're successful so much. Um, and, and really, uh, yeah, that's, that's been a huge part of, of why they're you know, right up there number two or three in, in time of possession in the NFL. Uh, it's because you, they will, they will you know, pretty much go at all costs to keep drives alive. Busy time of year for you, Luke. We definitely appreciate you having uh, the, the few minutes to set aside to come on with us. Agree or disagree with this statement on the way out here? If the Saints are able to disrupt the Rams' offense enough to make them change their game plan and get into shotgun mode, the Saints win the game. Now, the reason that I'm oh, yeah. – my theory is that – you know, when you look at the Rams offense, they run two thirds of their plays uh, snaps under center. And that usually entails a, that single back bunch formation with the uh, lot of motion, a lot of jet motion. They kind of run that same play over and over again with slight variations. So if the Saints are able to disrupt that one particular formation enough to force Goff into the shotgun mode, that's when he turns over the ball. That's when that means that th- there's just too much pressure coming in. That means the Saints win the game. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was looking it up today. I think Goff has like 14 touchdowns and two interceptions uh, when he's when he's uh, under center. 
and uh, and the rest of his interceptions, and, and you know, I guess it would be like you know, 16 or 18 touchdowns have, have come while well, he's in a shotgun, but you know, he, he does turn the ball over a lot more in those situations, and you know, you'd think uh, a lot of that is because those are definitely pure passing situations, and, and teams have a chance to, to pressure him. Um, and really, I, I think the, the big the big thing for me is is if you can if you can minimize this impact of the Rams' running game uh, that they've been able to use to just choke people out in the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you can do uh, something similar to what the Bears did a couple a couple of weeks ago, um, it doesn't have to be on on the extreme that the Bears took it. But if you can if you can just uh, make them somewhat one dimensional. Uh, and you can get that crowd behind you and put all that pressure on, on a, a young quarterback making his first road playoff start. I think that's all a, a recipe for success for the Saints. Good stuff, Luke. Definitely appreciate you coming on with us. Before you go, why don't you let the listeners know how they can follow you and your good work for NOLA News. Yeah, you can, uh, you can find my work uh, on Twitter at ByLukeJohnson, uh, or you can read mine and my colleague's stuff at NOLA.com slash Saints. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, my friend. Right, fellas. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the game this weekend. Talk to you soon. Will do. That's Luke Johnson. Great stuff. Good stuff there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny just kind of continuing to talk about this Saints-Rams game is where we just have, we're talking Saints. You're talking about how good the Saints are on fourth downs. You know what's crazy is the final rankings and early down success rate, the Saints are one, the Rams are two, the Chiefs are three, the Patriots are four, so the top four teams. But the Saints are the best in early down success rate, and then they're unbelievable in fourth down. I was, first of all, I was surprised that the Saints were 80%. I mean, you know, I know that they're really good on fourth down. I didn't know that they're that, that good. good. But I was actually more surprised that the Rams are six for 15. How can you have Gurley and be six for 15 on fourth downs? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, one of the things that I, I was a little – I thought last week, which is funny, of all of the winners so far, so the teams, the four teams we're going to see this week, I thought really only the Patriots played, like, a good all-around game. I thought all of the other the, the other three teams still kind of left a lot um, of improvement. Maybe they're a little rusty, maybe big leads, and, and they just kind of sat and didn't execute as smooth throughout the game. But really nobody played, I thought – their kind of complete best game last week. And I thought that was um, kind of a big part with Sean McVay in particular. I thought he coached a little a little tentative and a little nervous for a guy who's very aggressive, who, who a lot of times goes for it on fourth down. He was not doing that against Dallas and a coach that always got ripped for being really conservative and always kind of kicking the ball when it was fourth and one. And we saw McVay go for it. And, um, McVay punt the ball or kick a field goal in fourth and short a couple different times, I think he wanted to get that first playoff win off his back. And honestly, I think a lot of it had to do, and I've, heard, I've seen this in a few different spots, with the last couple of weeks and all of these coaching hires and all the McVay buzz, it's got to put a little bit more pressure on you to just at least win a playoff game. If you'd have been 0-2, lost a, a home playoff game after having a really good team this year, then you're saying, man, everyone's hiring all these Sean McVay clones and he can't even win in the playoffs. So I think he, he was coaching a little bit um, a little bit nervous. And I'm hoping he, this, this weekend, Mike, he can't... You can't play that game against the Saints. You can't go for it on fourth and short. You you have to just continue to be aggressive over and over. Because even if you miss one or two, the percentages-wise, it's just always better to do that. Yeah, man, without a doubt. I mean, look, I agree with you. I think they had a conservative game plan. 
I think they probably went back. Yeah, I think they probably went back and looked at even some of um, you know, that film against Cowboys against the Saints and what the Cowboys did. Uh, you know, they were at home, obviously, but what they did, what the formula was to to beat the Saints and to win that game. And I think when McVay looked at this matchup, you know, he probably felt if we are able to run the ball effectively, we're gonna win this game. Yes. And the thing is this. I watched every single offensive snap for the Rams in that game. I was really fascinated with what I was talking about with Luke, that single back bunch with the jet motion, because they run that play over and over and over again, but with a slight variation. Sometimes it's a pass. Sometimes it's a run. And what I noticed was that the Cowboys had a horrible game from their defensive line. They were standing up and leaning. They were out of position. They were moved out of the way. You had guys that were lined up on the inside, but they wound up outside of the tackle, creating huge holes for Anderson, making him look like he's 10 years younger and uh, and still that Pro Bowl caliber running back. I don't think you're going to see that this week with the Saints. I know you're not going to see that this week with the Saints. I think this game really is going to come down to what kind of big plays Goff can make. And, you know, I'll tell you what, when you see on the other side of the ball – Peyton going forward on fourth down and converting, that's a little bit like disheartening when your defense gets them to fourth down and then gives up that fourth down play and that drive stays alive. I'm kind of thinking that McVeigh is going to have to do the same and show that faith in his offense. Don't you think? 100%. Absolutely. Uh, completely because, agree. Because if, if, all- because if they're not, if, if they're punting every time, but the opponent isn't, uh, you know, I, I think that means. He doesn't have enough faith in the offense. Obviously, if, if it's like fourth and 22, I'm not talking yeah, about and that. I'm, I'm talking about the fourth and less than five. Yeah, and, and you know, like a different game too, as you're saying, like different opponent. You, you're not necessarily expecting to be in as much of a shootout with Dallas as you are with New Orleans, right? So maybe you're being a little bit more cautious of just not making mistakes. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot and give Dallas opportunities and you wanted to make them beat you. That's fine. I think in this game, if you play the same way, you're not going to win, period. Totally. But in, in, in that same in that same sense, I think if you're a Saints team and you can't compare games, but if you come out flat and you're down 14, two scores, I don't think you're going to be shutting out the Rams for three quarters. You know, so I think there are which was which is interesting. I, also with the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs got up big and then they got a little sloppy late. It seemed like that game was 24 seven forever, you know, and uh, and yeah, 31 13. That game should have been like 56 yeah. to nothing. They were, I mean, just, they were sloppy, you know, the block. They gave the Colts the only life they had. That was absolute obliteration. You know, the only opportunity they even got was after the block punt score uh, and then another fumble and, you know, just kind of giving them chances. And the defensive line stepped up for them. But I don't. I didn't really think that any of the, uh, you know, the, the Rams, the Chiefs, or the Saints played their A game. You know, they all played maybe like B minus versions of their game. So the one thing that I thought was kind of difficult handicapping these games coming into this week is, are we going to say these teams all got, I don't want to say lucky, but a second lease on life in that they played against opponents who were inferior and couldn't capitalize on the fact that they maybe didn't play their best? Or uh, are these teams just maybe not still, as we said, with some of these top teams, maybe they're not quite as good as they were earlier in the year and... Uh, you know, we just aren't going to see that smooth type game that we saw from these offensives, you know, in week six, seven and ten. Well, I think that you nailed it. The competition just better at this time of the year. And uh, let's expound on that after we take a very quick commercial timeout. And then we're going to be joined by Serena, who's going nice. to give us the Rams perspective straight out of the Rams locker room. So 
Stay with us. We'll be back in a quick moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Mikey, why don't you introduce our next guest, a member of the Ramily. Yeah, she's uh, Rams team reporter Serena Morales she's been with us before and we're super appreciative to have her when her time is so limited right now Serena (laughs) how's it going how's the weather like from the Rams locker room yeah so the weather is holding up actually It, it was raining it was pouring which is weird I'm pretty sure I moved to LA when I took the job back in May but uh it's been painting a lot um but you know LA needs rain, so there's really no complaints. And honestly, just the way that this team has dealt with adversity this whole season, there's really no like no one's really affected by the rain or anything like. That. They put tarp on the field, and that's worked just fine. They were out there practicing today. They they built a tent um, in case they need to do like walkthroughs and stuff like that. They're covered, so they're kind of prepared for everything. Honestly, the team is in great spirits. They're relaxed. Um, as you said, I am part of the Ramley here. And uh, every conversation that I've had with every player, they, they love joking with me. They're, they just seem like themselves. It's well, almost too bad that they have to play in a dome and not an uh, outdoor game in rain because they're uh, pretty prepped for it. But how are they going to manage with the crowd noise in the Superdome? One of the best home field advantages, or I guess the Mercedes, or no, it is a Superdome still. One of the best home field advantages in the NFL. 
Yeah, you know, the noise doesn't seem to affect them. I mean, they practice for that every week, whether they're playing at the Superdome or they're not. Uh, you know, Sean McVay, Wade Phillips, they both mentioned that this is not something that they are too concerned about at all. I mean, they'll, they get the noise pretty loud here at practice. So, uh, But if they work on that constantly, I mean, every kind of uh, stadium is different. But, you know, it gets loud, and they're prepared for that. They know that they can, you know, do nonverbal communication and make hand signals and stuff like that. So they're kind of prepared for that. I, I, I mean, they played in the Dome, you know, already. We tied the Saints last time we played them. At, I mean, that was a very big turnaround, I would say, from the first half to the second half. Last time the Rams faced the Saints early in the season. So um, the noise is not really a concern or something that anyone's really talked about or worried about. Uh, Serena, I think one of the issues when the the Bram started to struggle towards the end of the year, we saw Gurley just seemed a little bit banged up. He really didn't seem himself. And I think these last couple weeks, having the opportunity to have time off, he looked like he had a little bit more of a spark. He had some of that burst back. And now with Anderson in there, what does this running game look like and how does Gurley look to you? And I mean, I I talked to CJ Anderson um, after the Cowboys came on the field after scoring two touchdowns and running over 100 yards, um, rushing for Andre over 100 yards. And they, I mean, the, I asked him, I was like, what is this tag team of you and Todd Gurley? What do you make of it? He goes, oh, man, you don't want to mess with us. I mean, just the fact that Todd Gurley <laughs> um, has that rest and came back. I mean, he hadn't played in, in about a month. And, and the game that, I mean, he rushed for 100 yards too in that game. The two of them together have been so impressive. And I think it's a nice balance of having Gurley and, being young in the league and, and having a veteran like C.J. Anderson and the two of them together, the way that C.J. Anderson has, you know, learned the, the playbook so quickly um, and, and, and feels very comfortable and he's very calm. He's won a Super Bowl already. He knows the team, you know, this team already. He's played against and with a lot of the guys on the team, like to leave played with Wade Phillips and that Denver Bronco team. So, I mean, really, the two of them together are great because it takes pressure off of one of each other. You saw a lot of times the Shaman Facebook about it today um, in the pressure that, you know, Todd was basically out there on his own and it was a lot of, you know, it put a lot of pounding on him and, and, you know, he was out there and he obviously performed at the highest level and we saw him, you know, score over a hundred points this season because of that. But, you know, it really hasn't taken anything away from Gurley's game or CJ Anderson's game. And we've seen that because against the Cowboys. So the two of them together, and that's, that's such a great added bonus to have on our, our offense going into this game in the Superdome. And let's talk about the leader of the offense when uh, we're talking about Jared Goff. It's got to be a little bit difficult to look uh, and see the teams that are remaining. And you've got Mahomes and Breeze who are going to be the two battling for the MVP, you know, MVP top candidates. And then you've got Brady over there who's the best ever. But I thought last week he played very well. He and and the key thing that I, I liked is that he made that big play on the fourth down when he needed to. He, yeah. he he read the defense. He made the smart move and he got the first down there. How do you think Jared's going to play this weekend? And and how has he been kind of preparing for this week in a big game against the Saints? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give credit to Jared Goff, who constantly is always so calm, cool, collected, right? And we we see that. And even when there are pressure situations, we've seen him this entire season, kind of you know, stay in there and, and make those plays, as you said, like when he ran into Tyler Hibby on that play, got, got some yards, right? But it was, it was great. He stayed him down. Like, I mean, Jared has been so impressive. Um, and even more so, not just the way he carries himself, but I would say let's give credit to that whole entire O-line. They've been so consistent to give 
Jared the time so that he can make those deep throws that we've seen all season long when it comes to like throwing to Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. I mean, both of them have over a thousand receiving yards. Cooper hadn't gotten hurt this season. I could have seen all three of our wideouts having over a thousand receiving yards this season. So, I mean, you got to give credit to that O line who's creating all those opportunities for our, our run game and for, you know, Jared Goff to make those throws. So, and Jared, you know, you see the great quarterbacks, and, and I've talked to Shane Waldron about this, uh, and I've talked to some of the other coaches about Jared and what the way that he carries himself, and he has the capabilities to, you know, really go far in this league because he is so calm. And he makes those, I mean, especially the, the two games that they lost, we're, we're under a microscope, right? The, the quarterback is under the microscope because they're the ones that we're, we're focused on the most. But it really it was it was a team effort there. And, and what, you know, the two losses that we had, you know, was it was a whole team. It wasn't just Jared Goff. And so I think, you know, sometimes we put all the pressure on, on our quarterbacks, but that was a whole team. Um, and, and the way that we bounce back, I, I really do see, you know, the team's ready to go. And, and Jared, you know, he, he'll do well in this game. Quick prediction for you. If if Akeep Talib shuts Thomas down and Aaron Donald <laughs> dominates the way we've seen him dominate this year, they win this game. Agree or disagree? Agree. Absolutely agree. I mean, we, Akeep wasn't even in the game last time we faced this game, and we had tied that game. Uh, we tur- Again, I, we turned that game around in the second half. So and when Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, the majority of his sacks have come in the second half and the fourth quarter of games. So again, when these guys need to turn it on, they turn it on. And we've seen that all the entire season, but now having a key back, you know, Sean McVay spoke about it and so did Wade. So they both speak so highly of the key, his command, his communication on the field and just his overall presence and what he does to this team as a whole, not just the secondary. Um, that's going to make a big difference when it comes Sunday. Good stuff, Serena. Really appreciate you taking some time to join us today. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know where they can follow you as we lead up to this big-time showdown on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can follow me at Serena, S-A-R-I-N-A, on Twitter. And on Instagram, Morales Morales, you can see me uh, get freaked out by spiders that have invaded my apartment recently and oh. me asking <laughs> the spider to kindly leave. So uh, that's sort of me just... Uh, foreshadowing the game is like I would like please I would like to squash the spider and we would like to squash games and move on and head to Atlanta so (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much let's go Rams let's go Rams there we go thanks Serena good luck all right appreciate it thanks guys thank you let's quickly get to our next guest Gino we only have a few minutes left in the show, so we're going to bring in Monique as she joins us each and every week, the Parlay Queen from Covers ABR Live. Monique, we've uh, we've only had a few minutes with you each of the last few weeks, but when we have the Super Bowl week, we'll bring you on for a little bit longer so we can get really into some of those props. And I know you love the Super Bowl, diving in with all those props. And this week, you're going to get into a couple props. Yeah, it's good early on that we're getting, like now Now we're getting a bunch of props coming out earlier, which I obviously like. You can get on those lines early before they start moving. But yeah, definitely excited for the Super Bowl, and this week should be really good. Well, let's talk uh, about your first play in the Pats-Chiefs game. Yeah, I'm liking the highest scoring half as the first one in the Pats-Chiefs. Now, the Pats and Chiefs are 1-3 in in terms of first-half points per game, with Kansas City averaging 18.9 and New England 16.5. As we know, both defenses are suspect, and both offenses should be feeling really good coming in with a lot of confidence. So I feel like 
in games where teams score early on, you sometimes have halftime adjustments that can affect the under-overs. But I think with both teams just coming out strong and just all year dominating the first quarter, second quarter, I think definitely the highest scoring half will be the first one in that one. And you get pretty good odds on that, too. I think it's minus 110. And you have another play in this uh, in that same game, right? Yeah, I'm liking Pat Mahomes over 24 and a half completions. Now, we know the Chiefs are going to need to put up a lot of points in order, in order to keep up with the Patriots and make up for that poor defense. But the Patriots' defense have been surrendering an average of 359 yards a game and just over 246 in the passing game. So I think what's really imperative for the Chiefs is obviously you got to establish the run game early on, but I think a lot of short check-down passes will be happening, and I think his completion percentage at is going to be about 65 to 70. And if that's the case, I definitely like over his completion total at 24 and a half. And then one play in the other game. And I hope you're right on this one. I hope so too. And that's a Rams team total over 26. Now, similar to the Chiefs, you got to establish the run game. And it's very, very important for the Rams to chew up some clock and take the crowd out of it early on as we know how the Superdome is. Uh, last game, the Rams set a postseason franchise record with 273 rushing yards versus the Cowboys defense ranked fifth against the run. So obviously, we need the Rams to run the ball with a lot of success. And I feel as the first game between these two is any indication, this should be another high-scoring affair. So I think at 26, with the option to push, I like the Rams team total. Monique, the Parlay Queen. Find her online at Parlay Queen and some of her work with covers. We'll talk to you again, Monique. We'll touch base. Maybe we'll have you on next week in between. If not, we'll definitely have you on for a while come the Super Bowl show. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Monique. Awesome. Mike, we, we got to be quick. We're only about a minute or so, so give, it, give me your two predictions. Who's it going to be? you got to stay with your predictions. You, were, you had the, the Super Bowl predicted preseason. You predicted the Saints, and you predicted the Chiefs. You're not moving, right? Chiefs, 44 Patriots 24, Saints 31, Rams 23. Okay, I'm going to be the complete opposite with you. Okay. I'm going the opposite ways. I think the Pats are going to win the game. Let's say uh, Pats 30 to 24 Chiefs. And I think it's going to be uh, Rams 31, Saints 27. So I think both games will be pretty close. They'll both be one-score games, but I'm going to take the slight underdogs in both of those games. So I think these teams are all so evenly matched. I think uh, one it's going to be one possession, one big big moment. It's going to sway the games either way. So um, you could tell through our analysis throughout the show, kind of I think where we were leaning both and as we were interviewing people. So great job, Mike, picking games this year. I mean, this was the... the the prediction that you had preseason, it would be awesome if they get through. I think I had the Rams as my preseason Super Bowl winner against uh, the Steelers. So for us to have three out of four, not bad. You did a great job all year, but I hope this is where it ends for you, my friend, because I think the Rammies are going to go on. <laughs> well, at least one of us for sure is going to have the NFC side right. Yeah, so that's true. Wishing everybody a great, great sports weekend. We're going to have a very special show for you next week. We'll tweet about it and let you guys know. We had the same show last year with the WWE. I'll let Gino elaborate more on that as we get closer. Thank you for listening. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. 
please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.